Hi, I'm Michael Swido, and welcome to a very special edition of La Bambula, produced in collaboration with the Gaia Discovery website. They only earn two cents per day, and for us, that was completely disturbing. Today, I'm speaking with Reese Fernandez, the president of an amazing social enterprise from the Philippines called Rads to Riches. And it didn't hurt that we make beautiful products, and that I like pretty fashionable products as well. Rags to Riches is a Filipino brand that turns scraps of cloth into high-end fashion accessories, and in the process, they provide jobs, dignity, decent wages, and financial training to women from some of the poorest communities in the country. Rags to Riches started because of a social problem. Um, the group of young professionals that I'm with. Um, we're working in one of the Philippines' biggest garbage dump sites. It's in Bayatas, and we saw that there are mothers there who were making foot rugs, and they didn't have access to the raw materials and to the market because there was a group of middlemen who was in between them and the market, and them and the raw materials. And as a result, they only earned two cents per day. And for us, that was completely disturbing. And that's the reason why we decided to start Rags to Riches in Payadas first, knowing that it can scale up. Right, so we're talking about a community which is on a garbage dump. Of course, you would say that nobody should live on a garbage dump site. And literally, they don't live on it, they live around it. So they, a lot of them actually have their livelihood because of the garbage dump site. Like they scavenge for food or scavenge for materials that they can sell. So it's like a few steps away from where they live. It affects the water that they have. It affects the air that they breathe. The houses are shanties. Most of them are makeshift and the families there um, earn a living either through scavenging, through odd jobs, through doing contractual work. It's a very difficult kind of lifestyle because you don't know, like for a lot of families there, they don't know when they're going to eat next, what's going to happen tomorrow. Is there somebody who's going to um, fight with somebody else outside my house and get someone killed? It's very unstable and very um, not secure environment to bring up your kids and to actually live. So it's, it's a very difficult situation. The women who are living in this community, they were making their living because they were scavenging for, for rags. These are rags that were being thrown away by... Garments manufacturers, yeah. Okay, so the garment manufacturers were getting rid of their rags, and these women were taking the rags and turning them into, into rugs and making their living that way. Mm -hmm. So that was working for them, but then something went wrong. Exactly. So what happened was, in the beginning, it was free since it, they were getting it straight from the garbage dump site. That was around 15 years ago. And after that, a group of middlemen came in. So these middlemen don't really add any value to the scrap cloth or the rags. They just basically pass it from one middleman to another. And they don't even know that they're part of a bigger system. So if you total it, like from the raw materials to the woman artisan or the mother who makes the product, there will be around five middlemen just transferring from one hand to another the scrap cloth. And from the artisan to the market, there will be another five. So they are in between so many middlemen who are earning the bulk of the income, but not even earning enough for their own lives because there are lots of them. So what is Rags to Riches doing to solve this problem? 
Rags to Riches is providing these women artisans the platform so that they can access the scraps of cloth directly and also access the market directly with the guidance of some designers because we believe that if you put design value in a product, then you can increase its value and bring it back to the woman or the person who makes them. So you're making these into fashionable items mm -hmm. and you have a number of high-profile fashionistas who are helping out. Yes, so we have the fashionistas and designers, definitely, and they have amazing visions on how to make the products more high value. And so they reimagine how they can use scrap materials and indigenous materials so they could make high-value products. And we share that with the community artisans who also are included in the design process. Could you give a couple examples of the, the things that are being produced? Sure. Um, we're actually doing fashion accessories and home accessories. So, for example, for fashion accessories, um, we have created um, several bags and purses, and they are being sold in top five-star hotels and boutiques in the Philippines. And for, fa for home accessories, we also distribute via a more premium distribution outlets. So how much would one of these uh, nice bags cost? Well, if I convert it into U.S. dollars, it's not that much yet because we have yet to explore um, international, um, international opportunities. So now our bags could range from around 60 to 120 U.S. dollars. And the home products would be a little below that. Yeah, but for the Philippines, that's pretty pricey. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. It, it has a particular market segment. So why did you do this? What was your motivation? What got you into this? Well, I believe that every single decision we make is not contained in a, in a vacuum. That we always think that our decisions would only affect ourselves and our neighbors or our family. But really, our decisions can affect everyone. And I believe in that so much, I guess, because of my upbringing. I was brought up by a missionary mother, and we always go around um, different churches when I was young. And I got several scholarships so that I could actually get into university because of a group of people who decided that they wanted to give scholarships. That little thing that they did made a whole lot of difference in my life. And that's why I know that the power of decisions is just so huge and more than what we can imagine because it happened to me and I'm sure that my decisions as well and the decisions of the people who are working with Rags to Riches will make the world of a difference for the people we serve. Wow, that's fantastic. So that, that gives your motivation for doing a project in general, but why this specific one? What, was there something that keyed you and said, oh my god, we have to step in and do this? When I was in the university every weekend, I was also going to the same area to teach children math, science, and catechism. And it dawned on me that sometimes it's not enough to do good things for the sake of feeling good about it or feeling good about yourself. Um, because at the end of the day, you go home to your good university, but these kids go home to the same home that they will be in for a long, long time if nobody helps them. And the best way to help children, the best way to help families, is to help those who had them, like the mother and the father. And when the opportunity of Rags to Riches came in, it was perfect. It was a perfect fit because it was the one thing that I was very irritated about 
um, and at the same time, it's a good opportunity. And it didn't hurt that we make beautiful products and that I like pretty fashionable products as well. I can see that. <laughs> so you have about 450 women who are participating who are, uh, were formerly taking the rags on their own and are now doing this. They're all receiving training from the designers. How many people benefit from the program? Um, all in all, around 2,700 together with their families. And at the same time, we also provide them with a bigger um, educational platform for the women who work with us. So not only will they get skills training or training from designers to give them design ideas, but we also provide them with quality of life programs where they are given the opportunity to know more about what they can do with their money. So what kind of savings program they could invest on, um, education program, social security, all the things that are not accessible to them. So we teach them that as well. So it's like a whole curriculum for that. Are the women, are they employees of Rags to Riches? Are they owners as in like a cooperative? Um, it's exactly like a cooperative actually because these women cannot really be employed to the very strict sense of the word because they can't get out of their houses. They really have to stay at home and take care of their kids. So what they need is the opportunity to be able to stay at home, take care of their kids, but at the same time earn a living. So we have created a system to support that even if it's more difficult because it's well easier to open a factory and employ all of them actually. But since the cost includes allowing them to be mothers as well, then we have created a system around a decentralized production. Reese, how do you ensure the consistency of your quality? Because uh, work is being done at home, it's unsupervised, the inputs vary because these are you know, scraps from garment manufacturers, yet you have big name designers who are lending their expertise and their names. So how is it that you get uh, you know, a great high quality product out to market? Okay, so yes, that's a real challenge and we know that in order to solve that challenge, we have to make sure that we make the right decisions when it comes to the value chain and the supply chain. So what we did was to determine what parts of the system could be decentralized, like the weaving of the actual materials, and what parts can be centralized. So as an example, imagine we have a bag and the body of the bag is woven at the home of an artisan. For a very skilled artisan, getting to a really good quality of the woven part of the bag is not that difficult. But the quality control there is also stringent and it goes through several layers. And when we get that part of the bag, then we bring it to our in-house workshop and this is to assemble the zippers, the linings, the handles of the bag and to make sure that these details are high quality because high quality and high value items do not just end with how it looks outside. It actually has to be very meticulous inside and that is what we try to maintain. So Rags Riches is how old now? Mm, nearly four years old. Okay, and what is, I know you want to grow it, so what is the dream, uh, the vision for, uh, for the group? Um, the end goal is really to lift Filipino artisans out of poverty. And we're sure that as a young organization and as one organization, we can do a lot. 
but we can't do everything. So what we want to be is a model for more social enterprises to rise and for NGOs to look at us and other social enterprises as partners so that when they do feeding programs, when they do education programs, they could look at us as a way for them to have an exit strategy and go to the next community. So what we could provide is the livelihood opportunity so that the people that they are currently supporting can actually support themselves. And for us, if we become a model and that sort of spins off to more models, then we've done our job. But for rags to riches, we want to tap as many local women artisans and artisans as possible through partnering with NGOs and different women's organizations. Um, Numbers-wise, we want to reach 3,500 women by 2016. 3,500 women up from 400-something right now. So that's a huge jump. Yes, that's right. But at the same time, we feel that it's doable since there are lots of NGOs in the Philippines. And we are currently at the stage of perfecting the model to actually have a community production franchise that we could scale up. I think it's pretty doable. Like right now, we have around um, five major NGOs in the pipeline. And collectively, they have around 40,000 families. So that's still far from our 3,500. <laughs> Do you see Rags to Riches being a global brand? Definitely. A Filipino global brand. You know, to put the Philippines on the map of the world in a very good way. Not just in a way that we're always, well, sometimes referred to. We know how great a country we are, but at the same time, we also have to showcase what we have to the world and be able to be part of the global community. So the moment uh, your products are only sold in, in the Philippines, what's the next step to go beyond that? So we're starting small, and because in the Philippines the demand is quite high. But right now we're also exploring our online store. And very soon we're also going to carefully expand internationally in some parts of Asia, like Singapore, and some parts of Europe and the U.S. So we're already in discussion with some key people who wanted to expand Rags to Riches internationally. And we're doing that one step at a time to make sure that you know we have the products and since all of them are handmade, we don't overshoot the demand and create so much demand that we can't run after it. So we want to do it side by side. We want to build our community enterprises and at the same time build the market. All right, so if someone wants to go online to buy a really cool bag or home accessory uh, from Rags to Riches, where do they go? They go to www.ragstoriches.ph. That's rags with the number two riches.ph. So R-A-G-S number two, R-I-C-H-E-S dot P-H. Exactly. All right, Reese, I think what you're doing is amazing. I, I wish you and Rags Riches success. Great luck both for you and for the women who are a fundamental part of it. So thank you. Salamat po. Thank you. Salamat. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this interview with Reese Fernandez, who was produced on the sidelines of the Chi Global Conference in Singapore. The music is a song by Noel Kambangan entitled Kayod Kabayo Kayod Barya. It tells the story of a hungry person looking for work. Until next time, for the La Bambula podcast, I'm Michael Swido.